You're listening to Unleashed by Nonstop Dogware, the podcast where you get inspirational stories and useful knowledge from dog lovers all over the world. This is your host, Jeanette. Today's guest was top five uh, track and field athlete in Belgium. Now, Conicross is her main discipline. And today, the three times world champion will uh, share some tips and tricks. Tessa Philippards from Belgium. Welcome. Hi. Welcome, Didi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. First of all, can you tell us a bit what is Conicross? Canicross is basically running with your dog, but um, you're connected to your dog. It's just not uh, the dog is not free running. And the dog is uh, wearing a special type of harness in which he can pull freely. And he's connected to the runner by this elastic line. And the runner is wearing a special type of belt. Yeah, usually they run basically everywhere they want. They can go off-road, they can run a little bit on the road. And uh, it's a... that's kind of it. So he doesn't need too much equipment. This is basically something everyone can do. Yeah, everybody can do canicross. Um, it's really easy. You just need the, yeah this basic equipment and a pair of running shoes and then you're good to go. But how did you come into this sport? I was doing track and field from I was seven years old, I think. And um, I always hated to do this long distance running training that I had to do by myself. And uh, then yeah, I really like dogs. But after our last dog died, my father said, no, we do not really want to have a new dog anymore and uh, so much time. And yeah, so I keep on nagging and nagging and nagging to get the new dog. And uh, my father saw I was struggling with my training and he said, like, yeah, maybe, you know, if I um, can buy you a new dog that can uh, join you on your training runs, how will you then like go and uh, do it more often or uh, so I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, of course I would love to do that. have a dog to join me on my runs. Then we basically started to look online for which type of dog was fitting in with our lifestyle. And then we kind of stumbled on uh, Whippets because they're pretty calm in house and they are active whenever they're outside. They're not the typical canicross dog or what to say. But uh, by then I didn't knew anything about canicross, so it was okay. After a while, my father said, like, oh, he was looking on the internet, surfing, and he found this sport where you can run with your dog. And he was like, yeah, that's something for you, uh, Canicross. And, oh, would you like to try it? And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, we can go one day and uh, try it. So one uh, race uh, somewhere in Belgium, I think it was called Loppem or Puka, I think it was. It's a really weird place. There um, we started, and there was this small stand standing outside where they have all this equipment uh, hanging and you could try it out uh, or you can buy it so uh, we just bought instantly everything because I thought it was nice for running at home anyway and uh, then we did the race and um, yeah I, I thought it was so much fun even though my dog didn't get anything uh, about <laughs> what she had to do but uh, yeah it was so much fun to run with my dog I remember I finished last place but I didn't care because it was so much fun after that day we I think we have went to every possible race then it got really stuck to Canicross. And we got better and better also during the year. So that was really, really cool. Yeah, and you also got more dogs to really... Yeah, because um, I think after two years I was doing Canicross, my father said, oh, this is actually so much fun. Can I borrow your dog? Of course, no. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, okay, then maybe uh, we can buy another dog. <laughs> so we bought a second Whippet. And then he started to race as well. With her. Then uh, from that on, we um, 
started to get actually more dogs after I think my whippet she got uh, injured when she was four years old and I was so sad I remember I was just so sad because um, <coughs> she was actually really good for uh, whippets running in canicross and um, she had an injury in her shoulder which was not related to what we were doing but we always threw with this long ball on a stick and they run like 16, 60 kilometers an hour and break at once. So she had this uh, arthrose already, or how do you call it, in the shoulder. Yeah, so then <coughs> I was borrowing for a couple of years a dog, or some dogs, until I uh, stumbled on a border collie. It was a girl and she just said on Facebook, yeah, you can borrow my dog. And uh, it was so much fun because the dog and me, we were such a great team. That girl, she's called Fem because she is my best friend. Since then, and we were still best friends from that day. But then, yeah, after a while, her uh, father got sick, so she couldn't come to the races anymore. It was a little bit back and forth and borrowing some other dogs, but it was not the same as running with her dog or running with my own dogs. So we started to think about getting a new dog. Then eventually stumbled on this um, crossbreed sled dog, and um, his name was Yukon. <coughs> it was a guy in France who didn't want him anymore. He basically said, you can have him. And I bought him when he was almost one year old. And he was just the best ever. He was um, like a natural talent. Only three months after we got him, there was a world championship in uh, Borken. It was only three hours from our place where we live. So my father entered me there. And uh, apparently we did really good because <laughs> we ended up uh, first in the junior category. And I think we also ran faster the second day than uh, the senior women. So that was really awesome. <laughs> So And then now um, we are growing with the sport. My first dog got old, so now we have three other dogs at the moment. So I have four in total. And together with your dogs, you've had some great achievements. Can you tell us a bit about what you've done throughout the years? Yeah, like we said before, in Borken was my first time I did a world championship. And then we ended up first in junior class. And then like the world championship is like alternating with the European championship every other year. Two years after, it was another world championship. Then uh, I was in senior category. Then we won again. And then two years later, we won for a third time. In between the European championships, I think I've only... I only... <laughs> I'm very happy to have finished as a vice-European champion also a couple of times. Belgium also, we won a couple of times the Belgian championship. And also in bike, actually, with bike touring, with biking uh, with your dog. There I also um, won a couple of times the Belgian championship. And sometimes I did like... Uh, double entry on the champion big championships with the same dog and then uh, we ended up uh, i think also two times on the world championship top six i think with him in a bike so that was not too bad either i think that's kind of it <laughs> how does it feel to win the world championship with your best friend oh it's a crazy feeling it's uh i don't think you can really describe it yeah you know you've worked really hard for it and if it then everything falls in place that day and works out it is like this huge emotional uh, roller coaster. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit more about how you're training to become good in Conicross? I actually think before I was a little bit lucky because I had this background of track and field. And I think many people that were in this race scene were not like real track and field runners. It was just people that basically go and run with their dog and also only do only that so I had like a little bit of the knowledge of how to train before I think I didn't train that much before because the competition was in my eyes not that super high but then now uh, the sport is growing every year and now <laughs> I see that uh, with uh, 
basic training, I will not get there anymore. Yeah, now I'm specializing myself a little bit more also. But do you always run with your dog or do you train your dog separately and yourself separately? Oh, yeah, that's a big thing. I have um, pretty big dogs. Then it's actually easier to train without your dog. And I train my dog separately with the bike or the scooter. Every now and then I do run with them because I really like to run with them. But it would not physically be possible to run with a 33, 35 kilo dog. And I weigh myself around 52. So um, it's not that healthy for uh, the joints and everything to do with such a big dog on daily base. I have one smaller female. She's around 19 kilogram. If I go training, usually I use her um, to train with because she's a really nice size. And do you only do running or do you do other uh, things as well? Yeah, like I said, when I train my dogs, it's usually with the bike or the scooter. And then it depends a little bit on the weather. They also go in summer uh, a lot of uh, free running whenever it's possible. Or swimming is also a very good alternative. And myself, I like, uh, like I said, I like running a lot, <laughs> but I do also like biking. And um, sometimes I also feel running without the dogs and going in really high uh, kilometer amounts in uh, one week. Then I sometimes also go biking or more mountain biking or go with my road bike uh, just to have some alternative training. Because I think running is hard for the body, but you can do lots of stuff. Can everybody do conicross? Like older people, people that didn't run before is it possible for everybody to do this yes i think so i think as long as you respect your own limits and the limits of your type of dog you have uh, if you uh, do not want to get uh, dragged like me uh, you can buy a smaller dog that's not so powerful and you can basically train with him every day that's not a problem you just have to see if you're older also you just have to take it slow and build it up just basically like you do with normal running as well and the same is for your dog he also has to build up stamina and endurance and small dogs can do it big dogs can do it you just have to respect the type of dog you have you cannot ask from a french bulldog to do the same as um german shorthead pointer if you respect that then everybody can do canicross are there specific breeds that like stand out Yeah, those mixed breeds and um, I think a lot of pointers are also very popular. When I started in Canicross, I think the Border Collies were very popular because they're very smart and also left and right and they are very hard workers also. But they are now considered as the small dogs <laughs> in this sport. <laughs> so I think the dogs they use the most is like the GS pure GSP, um, English pointer, um, yeah, also some Huskies, I think. Also some uh, Belgian uh, Malinois. They're also kind of popular. And uh, yeah, then our mixed breed sled dogs type that we have, they are they are very popular at the moment. What makes a good Conicross dog? What kind of mindset do they need to have? And how do you see that a dog is really good in this sport? I think it all depends on the head because you can have the dog that, that has the best body and the best build. But if he doesn't have like the right head or the right mindset, then you're, you're not... yeah you will achieve nothing. Like my Whippet, for example, she was very good in the head. She would she would pull basically like three-fourths of the race for a Whippet. I think that's really good because it's a dog that usually chases only uh, other things <laughs> in the field. So the dog doesn't only have to be able to like uh, run good. He also has to be smart because you have to steer your dog. You have to say left and right. If they are very uh, self 
secure. The dogs, they uh, usually are very good when you are giving commands. Some dogs are very insecure, and it's a little bit more difficult because they will hesitate uh, during the race or something. Um, it's also very good to have an, just a nice dog, a dog that's very well socialized with other dogs before you go racing. Because, of course, we do not want any dogs uh, biting when they are overtaking people on the track or biting other people. That has also happened before. It's also a very good thing is that the dog has kind of a hard head. We say um, that he, even though he gets tired in the uphill, he keeps on pushing a little bit further. And um, yeah, that's basically what you need for having a good canicross dog. But if you're having a dog that's a bit careful, maybe doesn't pull too much or is a bit careful, is it any tips and tricks to motivate them a bit more? Yeah, there's always some tricks to motivate dogs to go a little bit, do the little extra uh, during a race or something. So I usually use food or um, some toys that they really like and they only get this during training, for example. So it's like this really special thing that they only get when they go running. So they, I basically give them a goal that they are running for. So um, for some of my dogs, it's a treat. For the other one, it's a tennis ball. And I start with these really short distances and make it really fun. Try to do maybe like in some interval training with them so that they do not always have to go all the way and always feel really tired. Keep them just uh, motivated with these uh, shorter training runs. And yeah, treat and, uh, and toys, they always w- usually work. Oh, when do you start training your dogs? Do you start at puppy age? I don't like to call it training my dogs at puppy age, but I call it more like educating them. I'm basically teaching them what they have to do without really doing it. For example, I teach them to, uh, from the start, almost, yeah, not from the start, but maybe... Three months, I start to walk them in harness. And when they are, for example, walking in harness, they are allowed to pull. When they are attached uh, to the collar there and just go walk for like that, then they are not allowed to pull. And it's That's nice to teach the difference. Yes. Otherwise, you would just uh, yes. hang in there all the time. It's uh, some just some really basic training for them. And it makes ev- afterwards everything or the whole process a lot easier. I also teach them, for example, I like it at the race that they are standing in line out, we say. They are stretching the line, standing still, not barking. They are concentrated until I do the countdown. So this I start also at a really young age, just to learn that they have to stand still, stretch the line. And I also work always with treats and and toys or whatever. They think it's really fun to do these exercises. And uh, then I do the countdown, then I run for 10 meters so that they know like, oh, okay, this this is how it's supposed to be. Teach them already the commands. When I go walking, I already t- learn them left and right. You start doing this really early. And it's so cool because they are so smart when they're young. They are so easy to teach uh, this kind of stuff. And it makes them also more self-confident when they get to the part where they are almost one year old and can start really training um, or training a little bit more. Then um, it's easy to have a dog that already knows everything before he actually has to do it <laughs> with the commands is it only left and right or do you have any other commands as well yeah like the line out at the start i use left right straight ahead i also use some people they don't say anything when they go straight ahead but i use it because we have so much difficult trails and uh, just to make them sure also that they are running the right way they also know how to slow down it doesn't always work but <laughs> they know it in training and racing it's a little bit different because of all the excitement but they also know how to slow down they also know the word stop 
And also, for example, when I fall down, I let them do the line out again and start uh, so stuff like that. But the stop, I guess, is uh, and slow down is nice to have downhill because a county cross trail is not only straight. It can be uphill and downhill as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's the reason why I teach them this. <laughs> because um, the races, I, the trails that we use, in, uh, for example, in Belgium, are very much like single track with stones and tree roots going down. So then it's very good to be able to control the dog in a downhill. And uh, then slowing down is very good command to teach them. But if you have a dog that's a bit uh, reactive to other dogs, you're talking about dogs are passing each other and uh, that kind of stuff. How can you handle it if your dog is a bit reactive? Um, I think first you can try to fix it in training with other people and with like dogs that he knows and maybe trusts. You can try to use a muzzle in the beginning in training if you really do not um, yeah, trust him. But um, I think it's very good. Uh, it's very important that he has positive experiences. Maybe the dog got bitten before or doesn't trust any other dogs anymore. But it's usually easier to fix it in training or try to fix it in training than to do it in a race. Because if you have a reactive dog in a race, there's so much more stress and you probably want to go as fast as you want and then you're maybe not paying attention as much as you should but what you can do in a race if you have on a reactive dog is uh, when people are passing, we have these words you have to say, like obligated in some countries they use the word trail. Uh, so they yell trail and then you know, okay, there's somebody coming. Then you already can take your dog short with you. And I always make sure that the dog is be- uh, in between me and the other person. Or how do you have to say it? Uh, that the dog is the furthest away from the other person that is uh, passing. You can like hold them really tight and also when you have to overtake something, somebody with a reactive dog, you can also say trail way in advance. And while you're running, you can also take your dog short next with you, overtake the person and then let him go again. That's something you, you can always do. It's easier to try to fix the problem before in training and then go racing than to do the opposite way. The starting area could be a challenge as well, I guess, with a reactive dog because it's a lot of dogs and a lot of people in a small space. How how do you solve that? Yeah, it depends. In Belgium, we have, I think, only maybe two or three times a year, like a mass start race. All the other races are um, held with these single starts where you're starting every 30 seconds. Then it's very much easier to control the dogs uh, at the start. And um, But when you have these mass starts and you have a reactive dog, just go and just go behind everybody you can wait a few seconds until everybody is gone and then start uh, behind and then it's way much easier to steer the dog or to control the dog than in this massive pack of uh, people and barking dogs that are standing there i think that's just the best thing to do if you really want to start in uh, mass start competitions how big are they uh how many people is joining and mm. how many dogs in Belgium, it's pretty big. I think we have around uh, maybe even more than 20 races in a year. It is around, let's say, 120 to 350 people starting there every time. Some races are a little bit more popular than the others, but on our own race last year, I think we had around 350 people starting. That's huge. <laughs> Do you have any like favorite race, a race that you would really recommend people to go to? Yeah, uh, the one from our own club is really fun because it's a lot of single trails and the dogs usually really love it because it's like almost that they are hunting something or I don't know. Uh, they just are so much more energetic when they run on these single trails and they cannot see the, where the next corner is going or something. They really love it. 
and this trail is like that. It's a little bit up and down and single tracks and uh, it's a really fun trail. It's also completely in the forest, so it's almost completely in the shadow. Yeah, that's a really fun one. I think it's Kepkesberg. <laughs> that's ours. <laughs> When you go to a competition, how do you prepare like the day before? Do you have any uh, special routines? Yeah, I usually don't feed my dogs after um, five, six o'clock in the evening. Try to feed them a little bit earlier than usual. And I also make sure that they, uh, that they even two days before that they drink a lot before the race. Um, you can do if your dog is not like usual, usually a good drinker. You can just put extra water in his dry food or uh, meat when you are feeding him. And uh, we also have these special products with electrolytes which you can use. Um, that are made specially for dogs, and they also help to hydrate your dog better before you start. I feed them pretty early because. The day before the race, also the only thing they get is this a special um, product, like the ones the one which I give is from Mammut. It's called Pre Run, and it has some electrolytes, some uh, energy in there, everything he needs, and it is also to avoid stomach turns for a dog. So I usually water them two hours before training or racing with this product, and um, instead of feeding them, and the feeding the day early, early the day before, it is. Um, Very good to do this um, because I noticed that my dogs don't take a shit <laughs> or a <laughs> at the trail anymore. <laughs> When you do that, they actually run on an empty stomach. And then uh, right after the race, they get this uh, recovery drink, which I really love. It's like a treat for them all on itself. <laughs> It's also to rehydrate the dog to again and to get some extra proteins, like a protein shake for people, basically. And then like winning half an hour, one hour, I usually f give them their first portion of their daily food. And then in the evening after they get some, they get the second portion. Is there anything special you have to bring? You have to remember the harness, your running belt, the line, anything else? Uh, yes, you usually need or you always need your dog's passport. Um, the dogs also need the right vaccines. In Belgium, I think it's um, all of the vaccines, basically, like uh, rabies, is obligated also like bordetella para influenza leptospirose is also obligated and kennel cough people who don't have these vaccines they will not be allowed to start at the race because it's a too high risk for so much dogs uh, so many dogs on such a small place to get sick or to make other others dogs sick but how how does the competition happen like when you arrive in the morning what do you do what happens how is the routines usually i First, go to the entry uh, because we can enter like on the spot. We can only enter on the spot. I think now it's changing. They're starting with this uh, program, but usually you just enter on the spot. And then right after, I uh, go and check out the trail. I think it's very important to see the trail before I go. With my previous dog, I didn't need to do this because he is totally crazy when he comes in a new place. He really loves. But my other dogs, they get a little bit insecure if they do know the trail. So I always take them and uh, check out the trail before. And then on the race, they know a little bit where they have to go. And then they are running way much more confident than they would if I didn't do this. So we check out the trail. I like warm them up a little bit. Depends on which type of dog you have. My other, my oldest dog that retired now, he is totally crazy. And he is jumping for five minutes before the start. So <coughs> with him, I do not do a warm up because the start is a warm up for himself. And the other, the females, I usually take them jogging, maybe just like five minutes before I need to go to the start. And then I warm them up a little bit. That's usually enough. It works for them. After the race, I also never let them like drink straight after. 
I also go walking with them a little bit, just like to do some cool down. And when I get to the car, then they um, usually get their drink a little bit after because if I give it uh, right after the race, they're breathing so heavily and they're taking in so much water and uh, so much air at the same time that I had one time that my dog got almost got the stomach turn from drinking too fast after a race. You start to like bloat all the way in the back. So I stopped doing that also. So now I let them calm down a little bit and then they get water and then they also drink much, much more calm and don't gasp so much air in uh, at the same time. At competitions, do you ever get nervous? For normal races, I do not really get nervous because I see uh, the whole year for me is like basically training. The only time I get nervous is like for a big championship. Then I'm stressed. <laughs> and how do you handle it? And does your dogs notice? Um, yeah, my oldest dog, he is very uh, s- sensitive in that way that if I'm stressed, he's stressed. But he is stressed in the way that he gets starts to bark even more and then stresses me out even more and I'm stressing him because I'm yelling at him. <laughs> um, but the other two, the two females uh, that I have, they are they're pretty calm. And because they are calm, I can, can stay calm myself also better. But I I usually try to listen maybe to a little bit of music or something before the race. Or I just stay maybe a little bit longer in my car, listen to some music or go for a walk or jog by myself just to clear the mind a little bit. And how many competitions do you have throughout the year? Is it like every weekend and when is the season and how does it how does the year look? In Belgium we usually race to like half beginning half December. Then we have some small winter stop till end of february then it starts again and then we have a summer stop also from june till august um but in between i think there has we have so many races that there's almost every weekend the race in between why do you have a break in summer it's a nice time yeah <laughs> it's a nice time but in belgium the humidity is very high and the heat is also very bad um so it's just to protect the dogs because they they would run if we let them run probably but it's not it's not healthy for them. Can you tell us a bit about training in warm weather? How do you handle it? Like I said before, I always try to hydrate them before. I never go training if I didn't uh, manage to uh, give them water before the training. But I usually keep it really short in summer. And I do like these interval trainings from maybe one kilometer, two, three times one kilometer. And then I always make sure that I have a water stop somewhere or just run one kilometer up to the water one kilometer back one kilometer back up to the water with some small break in between and that usually helps that they they have done something without really training super hard and it's also to keep them more happy in in summer if they don't do not do any pulling activities in summer they are a little bit getting frustrated (laughs) almost because they are used to do this uh, uh, as well so but i also take them many times free running or just jogging with me next on the leash, they can do that as well. When I attach them to the collar, they know that they are not allowed to pull, so then they are jogging. Or swimming is like actually the thing we usually do the most in summer. They go swimming a lot, and we have like this uh, kayak, and we go in the middle of the lake and let them swim. Do you have any uh, special training plan you follow during the winter, or...? Um, I basically always see how the dogs are doing after summer. Some years they are in super shape after summer, basically. Some years, because of the weather, maybe they didn't do that much. Um, And then it needs some more time uh, in winter to get to the level that I want them to be. 
I basically always look at the dog every training because some trainings when I bu- I'm building up the distance, I always use this type of uh, interval training to build it up. And if I see that they are not able to do this training, I will go back down in a distance or in speed or whatever I need to do to make it work. And then uh, we just keep building up like that because they're they're pretty much the same as us. We don't go with ups and downs as well, our own training. So for them, I always look at the dog, how it, they are doing that day. And if it ha- it's too much, you can always stop in the middle of the training and let them free and just go easy back to the car. There's no use in always pushing them to their limits because, first of all, they do not know how far you're going to train. So they are just trusting you. So you have to look a little bit at them and control them uh, a little bit more. And yeah. that's important when you're training for races as well, I guess, that you prepare the dog for the distance they're going to run. Yes, because I see sometimes on uh, training people are training their dogs for maybe three, four kilometers, and then there's this six kilometers race. If the dog is always used to run three to four kilometers, he knows more or less the distance and the time that they're running, what they're used to. Uh, if you go then on a race for six kilometers, he will run like he's running for a four. And in some cases, that makes a huge difference. And they can just like kill themselves, basically. Um, so I always try to prepare my dogs for the distance. And even like the type of trail that we are going to do, I try to prepare them for that as well. What are the distances uh, normally? In Belgium, we have this Canny Cross short distance. It's between, I think, two and a half and three and a half kilometers. And we also have long distance, and that's between four and eight kilometers. The bike drawing is usually the same length as the long distance canny cross, but you can run uh, both in Belgium with the same dog. So, for example, long distances in the morning, then you can use that same dog to run in the afternoon the short distance. But that's the maximum they're allowed to do uh, in one day. What's like the prime age of a canny cross dog? Is there such a thing? I think like at the age between three and five, they're like on their strongest. And also after three to five years, they are very confident because they know what they have to do. And uh, for me, that's the best time. And when a dog gets older, like you talked about your oldest dog, he's retired now. When do you decide that now it's time to actually retire? I already thought for him, for example, last year that it would like be his last year <laughs> to like really compete but then uh, he was in such a great shape for uh, Sweden last year that I gave him like another shot and he did really great but now suddenly the last six months he his health has went just down and down and down, down so uh, now I decided that it's okay for him to retire he's 33 kilo dog and he's nine years old and he has always uh, run everything he has so um, I think it was a was a good time for him to stop now. But you have a new uh, promising puppy on the way. Can you tell us a bit more about him? Yeah, he is actually from our own breeding. Um, we have this super nice female. She's called Lichi. She's maybe not uh, like the strongest dog because she is not the tallest dog either. <laughs> but she is like we call her the whole package. She has a very nice character. She is so easy to handle and she runs really good. So we decided to breed her uh, this year. And she is like, a, we call it a hound. It's like a mixed breed um, sled dog. And we bred her to this pure German shorted pointer uh, from Norway, actually. So we kept one of the, her puppies. His name is Petit. And yeah, he is uh, getting really big <laughs> at the moment. Um, but he is also, like his mother, a big sweetheart. He is really easy going. So we are 
we never thought we would have a second lychee, but I think we are going to have a, a second one. <laughs> Do you have any special ambitions for him? I guess you want him to be like a really good cotton cross dog. Yeah, we first kind of chose the puppy that we liked just by looking at this character and how he's interacting with our other dogs because we had three other dogs so it had to work with the others as well. We were actually planning to take a female from this litter. We're not going to take, definitely not going to take a male, but eventually he kind of chose us, I think. Um, yeah, we are, of course, planning to uh, do canny cross with him as well. But my boyfriend, he really likes the um, on-snow season. So because it looks like he's going to be a big boy, we think um, he might be good also for a pook or a ski during. I think he can do everything. We don't really like stick them in a box. I have like, for example, some dogs that like more bike than canicross. So then we kind of try to do also what they like a little bit more. Adjusting to the dog. Yes. That sounds good. Yes. Yeah. But if you choose running with Petter, who will be a big dog, I guess running technique is quite important. Do you have some tips for people on how to run? Yeah, it's very hard to explain it with uh, just by words. But like uh, some thing that they always tell you is that you have to like run on the uh, forefoot, I say, like the front of the foot, um, and not to land on the heel. That's very important because your foot is basically working as some kind of suspension for your body, and you're um, so you're taking in the shocks by the front of the foot. If you hit it with your heel, then the shock will straight go through in your knees, in your hips, in your back. So it's very much harder for the body then. So if you have a good running style, it also works proactive for um, having no injuries and uh, stuff like that. Have you ever had any injuries yourself? Yes, I had many. <laughs> Usually it's always like you are, um, the muscles are overworked basically. So um, then we always try to do these strengthening exercises to make uh, the parts in the body that I know that are the weakest. I try to work on them the most and do some like, yeah, planking, power training, everything you can basically do at home without weights even. Um, it's very easy to do and it helps a lot for your running style. You can also do this like at track and field. We have this special kind of warm up exercises that works with like a little bit coordination, active stretching, and those also work. It actually makes your brain make a connection to the body that uh, how to move everything better. So those exercises are also always interesting. To You can look it up on the internet. You can find plenty of them. And having the right equipment is also important to prevent injuries for both people and for dogs. What's important to think of when you choose equipment? For people, probably something really important is the running shoes type of running shoes that you use like uh, you need trail shoes to run uh, on trails you need street shoes to run on the street it's also very important to know how your running style is like if you're a neutral runner or pronation or a suspination i think it's called yeah, we have like these special stores where they can like measure your foot and they look how you walk and that's i think also good to start with if you want to start running right and have no injuries i think that's something important uh, for the dogs, for example, it's very important that you have the right harness. The harness has to fit like glove, basically. I usually have people that are concerned that the harness is too small. But uh, the biggest thing I always see is that um, maybe, uh, not most of the people, I'm not going to say that, but many people, they have um, a harness that is too big for the dog. 
and it's actually worse to have a harness that's too big than a harness that's like slightly on the smaller size because you can injure the dog's shoulder for example if the neck is not tight enough while the dog is pulling the straps of the neck they can slip down on the shoulders and then he cannot make this uh, movement with his legs to the front freely then you can ha- get like this uh, shoulder injuries and uh, all stuff like that also depends on which type of harness you use some dogs need some more support on the back other dogs they do not need support on the back also the shock absorbing line is important to absorb the shocks not only for you but also for your dog it helps to save your dog's back and then also the um, running belt you buy is also pretty important because if you have a really good one then the pulling point is not on the back and uh, the lower it is i i like it more that how much lower the pulling point is the better because it helps me with having a good running style and it keeps the shocks basically off your back but what do you do if your dog is having a bad day i try not to push them because i have uh, also one of my dogs is very sensitive and sometimes she just stops middle of race she sits looks at me she has a lot of this anxiety and stress but while she when she is pulling it helps her to release the stress but sometimes she just blocks the last thing i can do at that moment is be angry at her so i usually just stop i will pet her a little bit and tell her that everything's okay and then um, usually i try to just do this countdown again and then she starts barking and be happy again and then she just runs off again then she forgets that she was actually scared yes she forgets because uh, she is uh, trusting me um so i think whenever your dog doesn't want to run uh, you should never punish it because he is also not asking to do this i th- I think you can do at least for him is to make it as fun as possible so if he has a bad day yeah maybe you just walk back to the finish line or it's not a problem and then just train again and uh, try again next time i think also they will they will learn more from that than you being angry at him for no reason or uh and Connycross, it can be good for many dogs, both when it comes to mental health, but also physical health. Yeah, I think it helps a lot of sh- dogs to just get the, all the excess uh, energy out, gives them some goal or something that they like to do. Um, I think it can also help for dogs that are like having separation anxiety. I have had two of them. <laughs> and um, like whenever they have done something in the morning or in the evening and have been training, they don't care they are just nice and sleeping uh, on the sofa and they don't do anything wrong but dogs that are have too much energy and don't know what to do with it i think it always tries to find some way out to uh, they're trying to out it in some way so sometimes it's destroying things sometimes it they will get maybe really scared or get really anxious about a lot of stuff so i think canicross is a good way for many dogs to get some rest in their head if you had to do some other sport than Conicross with a dog, what would it be? Mm, not nothing sled dog related. I think maybe agility or something. Because I think it's also a pretty active sport. Or not only for the dog. Because I see the person's always running around like crazy and they're pointing where I has to go and jump over. So, And I see them sweating also after. <laughs> so yeah, maybe agility. And if you had to do something without a dog, would it be back to track and field again? Uh, Yes, I think so. Or maybe mountain biking. I really like mountain biking as well. Thank you for sharing uh, all your knowledge and uh, experience with us. Uh, Thank you very much for having me here. 
You've been listening to Unleashed by Nonstop Dogware. If you have questions, feedback, or ideas for guests or topics to cover, please email us at unleashed at nonstopdogware.com. You can also follow Unleashed Pod on Instagram or visit nonstopdogware.com for more content. Remember to subscribe for more episodes.